You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. And now with the deep breath, I say... Good morning. Good morning, Zeb. I'm not even going to ask you how you are. We did that already. Yeah, we did. We've gone through that. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, I'm going to give you a little quiz question here, Zeb. Oh, you're going to start me off with a yeah, question this yeah, morning? Yeah, I think you can come up with the okay, answer. Okay, here we go. Okay, if you think of all the fabulous tales of lost mines and buried treasure, there's been movies, books, all kinds of things written and shown about this particular place okay the lost dutchman you got it in arizona yes and i gotta tell you that one year it's been quite a few years ago uh i was down there and i did go out into the desert in that general location because they still claim and i'm not trying to take any thunder away from you that it's still there and we're gonna go into that so you know again this is a legend uh of the lost dutchman mine and located somewhere deep in the rugged and rough rough superstition mountain oh, it is it is rough. i've never been there but it's everything rough. i've read about it yeah but it's east of phoenix arizona and this elusive source of gold has tantalized researchers and treasure hunters for a long time that's right so but the superstition mountains are an appropriate setting for the story uh one sacred uh what's sacred to the apache they are a remote uh, and maybe you found this rattlesnake infected, infested maze. I didn't get off the four wheel. <laughs> okay. Well, all you got to do is say snake to me, and I'm not even going close. But rocky canyons and yeah. ridges and steep slopes and rugged, dry uh, in the American Southwest. It's the it, desert. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, anyway, long before uh, gold seeking Spaniards visited the region during the early 1500s, the Apache believed the range was inhabited by special gods who jealously guarded their treasures. Mm-hmm. The thunder god who ruled the superstitions would supposedly roll rocks from the high cliffs onto anyone who dared to trespass in there. And from these Indian legends sprang the so-called curse of the superstitious mountains. Really? Yeah. Now, the Pima Indians had their own tales. One of their legends reported that the great Aztec ruler Montezuma had gathered his huge fortune and ordered his people to transport it from deep into Mexico into the superstitious mountains. And there, the Aztecs buried the gold and treasure of this dying empire to keep it safe from the conquistadors and the raiders and everybody yeah. that was coming in to rob them, basically. Well, wasn't there a movie that was made to kind of go around the story of the lost Dutchman mine that Gregory Peck was in it was a western you remember that you know that sounds familiar but I I couldn't exactly think of which ones were about this particular one but anyway you know the Spanish explorers commanded by Coronado entered the region during the early part of the 16th century and in 1539 an expedition led by a guy named Fray Marcos de Niza I don't know if I said that right. He set forth from Mexico City to find the great quantity of gold the Spanish believe existed in the vast regions to the north. 
Mm-hmm. So as a result of Denise's observations, the Spaniards undertook prospecting and mining operations. Well, they did. They discovered gold and silver in a lot of locations, and they actually established a lot of mines in that area. Really? Yeah. And several of the mines in the Superstitious Mountains, uh, Superstition, uh, both Placer and uh, Shaft yielded a lot of money, mm-hmm. fortunes in gold. And for several generations, the Spanish successfully extracted the gold from the Superstitions and Every two or three months, pack trains loaded with hundreds of pounds, these ingots, these gold ingots, right. uh, rode these trails from the mines to Mexico City. Really? Far to the south. So there was a lot of gold that left that ended up in Mexico City. Yeah. So yeah. might be a good stop for a break here. Is well, that you know, you like? now that you got me kind of on the hook here, that's a very interesting story, and it's going to get a lot better here in just a few minutes, too. Dr. History brought to you by Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley. Zach and the rest of the crew, and I know Zach's listening right now, one of the nicest people I've ever met. And absolutely, they can help you with all your lumber packages. Maybe you need to do a little remodeling before the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays. Well, you better look at the calendar and then get down there and get to work. Minicasha Sales can help you with that. And also the upgrading of your windows with the Western Windows to save on your heating bills. Don't forget to stop in and see them today. Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley. And now back to the gold man. The lost Dutchman. So... As the Spanish mining activity and the superstitions increased, so did the Apache resentment against the intruders, which that was their land, you know. And here's these guys coming into, uh, you know, miners. So to the Indians, the superstitions were homeland. It was a holy ground. And in their quest for food, the Spanish hunters, they killed and slaughtered the deer, the buffalo, the antelope, uh, to a degree that there was not much left for the Indians. Right. And eventually and inevitably, the Apache began to retaliate. Absolutely. And again, it was their land. Yep. So initially they attacked and killed small parties of hunters and ambushed pack trains along the narrow trails. As the ranks of the Spaniards grew thin, the Indians began to attack the mining camps themselves, Hmm. actually where they were mining. So sometimes they would have battles that would last all day long with the miners against the Indians. But the Spaniards worked the rich mines from about 1590 to the mid-1700s, and gradually they abandoned them as they depleted the ore, and as the Indians continued their attacks. So legend has it that the Spaniards actually covered the entrances to the mines before they left the region. So when you think about the Lost Dutchman mine, there's probably a lot more mines than just the Lost Dutchman. And that was my next question in regards to all the trails and the actual leading into and out of the area. Why wasn't that found? That's a great question. And again, you know, the Spaniards covered the entrances is what they figured. So, and you've been there. So, you know, that where do you stop to dig? Yeah, I mean, really? we talk about the Oregon Trail, okay? Right. And we know where there is visible evidence of the Oregon Trail right through this area, as a matter of right. fact. It's still here. Yes. Okay, but why not down there? That's a great question. And I... <laughs> I just don't know the answer to that one. But, you know, for decades, the Superstition Mountains lay quiet, undisturbed, uh, no mining going on. Only the Apache passed through uh, what they called the Thunder God's Domain, uh, constantly on guard against the return of the invaders. More miners coming. Well, with the Mexican Revolution of 1821 uh, came the end of the Spaniards' reign, and they never returned to the mountains or the treasures. So where they did bury 
they never returned to recover. Now, here we go. In Mexico, a man named Peralta. Have uh-huh. you heard that name? I have, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He heard tales of the gold mines to the north, and so for, for many years, the Peralta family had operated several gold mines in Sonora and Arizona. What year was that? That was about 1821. Okay. Or eight, yeah, shortly after that. Okay. So they had some gold mines, and they were intrigued by the possibility of extending their interests into the Superstition Mountains. So, actually a little later, during the 1840s, Peralta, by this time, now he's an older man by now, he's in his 60s, and he he learned that there was going to be the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. Yes. Okay. Which would eventually grant the northern part of Mexico to the United States. And also California. Yes. Yeah. So Peralta hurried to extract what gold he could prior to this uh, treaty in 1848. Now, obtaining local uh, locational information left by the Spaniards, this Don Miguel Peralta II, which I guess is his son, Okay. Has to be. Well, I would think so. Yeah. Organized a party to travel to the isolated range and reopen these rich mines. Uh-huh. Now, not only did Peralta employ miners, now get this, he also had geologists, engineers, he had a dozen guards for protection from the Indians. And this is back in the 1840s? Yeah, 1848, yeah. Wow. And so when the expedition left Mexico, they had over 400 people in this expedition. Wow. So, you know, they had high hopes, I guess. But anyway, on arriving in the superstitions, the Peralta expedition uh, used the Spaniards' maps to relocate the placer mines. They actually reopened several of the shafts. They extracted as much ore as they could. In addition to the impending treaty deadline, they also had to contend with an increasing number of hostile Apache. Really? The Apaches, you know, once again, they've got all these hundreds of people in there, in their land. So here's 400 people coming up from Mexico. Right, yeah. And just basically setting up a small community. Yeah, we're going to mine. So the miners, the hunters, and the guards occasionally would fall victim to Indian arrows, the curse of the superstitions, uh, kind of became the main topic of conversation among members of the expedition. So if you imagine, if you're in this group of 400 people and uh, some of your buddies get shot uh, or fall or injured or dead, you start thinking, that maybe there is a curse here, yeah. really. Yeah. So anyway, as the time to leave approached, Peralta and his men covered all the mines in the hope that they would also someday be able to come back and make the uh, uh, appropriate political uh, arrangements to return. Covered how? That's the great question. How did they really cover it? Yeah. Uh, so he had them load tons, and it says tons, of gold ingots and ore onto several pack trains to carry most of this new wealth back into Mexico. Okay. So because of the time limit and because the pack animals could only carry so much, he actually had a lot of this gold buried in secret locations near the mines. So there's buried treasure not only the mines, but buried treasure around the mines somewhere. Why didn't the Indians, because they were all over the place, literally, why didn't they go dig it up and I, I guess what I'm asking is, why didn't they take what was being taken from that area? I don't think the Indians thought the gold was a treasure. Uh, I mean, for them, gold wow. really didn't mean anything. Hmm. But the Apaches basically chased these guys back to Mexico, yeah. and they left a bunch of it there. So uh, even as this treaty took effect in 1848, then we have Sutter's Mill, the California Gold Rush, and now here comes a guy, a German immigrant named Jacob Waltz, also known as the Dutchman. Uh, so this is where the Dutchman okay. comes into the Superstition okay. Mountains. So Waltz came west uh, with considerable mining experience. The most notable, he actually had gold strikes in North Carolina and Georgia. North now, Carolina? And Georgia. Now, really? that was kind of news to me because I 
had, when you think of gold, you don't think of the East. No, you really, think of California yeah. and Arizona, yeah. etc. So Waltz was living in Mississippi when he learned of the Sutter Mill discovery. So along with thousands of others, he packed his belongings, traveled to the Golden State with the hope of becoming rich. Well, little is known of the activities of this rather... They call him a reclusive guy with this waltz uh, yeah. until about 1860. Now, it's believed that he worked several small placer claims in Northern California. Now, here's where it gets interesting. One evening, as he enjoyed a nice cold brewski in a tavern in a small mining town in California, Waltz was distracted by a disturbance. An angry gambler was beating an unarmed elderly man. Just after the gambler plunged a knife into the defenseless man's stomach, the Dutchman stepped in and subdued this gambler. Basically saved this old man's life. Wow. Okay. Now, Waltz carried this bleeding victim to his room. The wounded man introduced himself as Don Miguel Peralta II. Uh-oh. So, here we go. The so, plot thickens. The plot thickens. So, as Waltz nursed Peralta back to health, they had a friendship that formed between the two men. And in his gratitude, Peralta gave Waltz his secret, the story of the gold of the Superstition Mountains. So now we're in the 1840s. Now, the Civil War was gaining momentum in the South. Waltz, uh, using directions provided by Peralta, entered the Superstition Mountains. This would have been the 1860s. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. 1860s. So after several years of searching, Jacob Waltz finally found the gold. Okay. Uh, by uh, He had difficulty interpreting Peralta's map, but he did find uh, the gold. So... Um, in the western end of the range, in a dry bed called uh, Camp Creek. Okay, there uh, is a Camp Creek, Arizona. Okay, yeah. so that's maybe as close as we're ever going to really get. Yeah. But Waltz discovered one of the Peralta Placer mines, and nearby he found the ruins of several rock houses, two mine shafts that had been covered over. Oh my! To the south of these, rich deposits stood as a sharply point as a, a sharply pointed peak that many researchers have identified as. The Weaver's Needle. You've really? heard of that? Yes. The yes. Weaver's Needle, the big landmark yeah. that they all used. It's a prominent landmark, and other investigators believe that Walt saw this uh, this peak. And anyway, uh, he explored the region for several days. He discovered, like I say, several caches of the ore and bullion left behind by not only the Spaniards, but Peralta. Now, so we get to the age-old curse, okay? The Dutchman, he refused to believe that. He didn't think that was, uh, you know. But even with that, he slept with a gun uh, next to him all the time. He was by himself. I was going to say, did he have anybody no, working with him? he was him? by himself. Wow. But he kept a, a lookout for the Apaches. And uh, Waltz, uh, you know, bent at once to the task of panning ore. He actually panned from the small stream, besides excavating gold from the nearby mine shafts. Now, this had to be hard work. But he dug out the gold, and allegedly he also buried large quantities in this whole area. Uh, so there's all kinds of supposedly buried treasure in this whole region. So okay. basically, it's a misnomer, and I'm guilty of saying it too, the lost Dutchman gold mine, because it's singular. It's actually plural. There were a lot of mines. Mines and buried treasure. So anyway, uh, you know, uh, the only time he left the mountains was to travel to Phoenix to uh, get supplies. So Waltz paid for his purchases with what they describe as the purest gold nuggets ever seen by anyone in that region. And when townspeople inquired about the source of the gold, Waltz replied that no one would ever find his mine. It was a prophecy that 
turned to be true. I know we're running out of time. Why didn't somebody follow him? I'm wondering. Well, uh, I'm going to tell you about that. Oh, okay. okay. Now, more and more people became acquainted with the Dutchman's mining successes, and some tried to follow him on his return trips into the superstitions. Well, Waltz normally was able to lose these people by, you know, taking different trails, different tracks, but it is believed that he often waited in ambush to kill those who were tracking and trailing him. No kidding. Because a lot of men entered the mysterious range and never returned. Hmm. So this this kind of added to the suspense of the, the growing curse, so to speak. Yeah. So anyway, Wallace continued to operate his mines for about 20 years. But he eventually grew old, and hard life took their toll. He shared the secret directions of his mind with only one other person, a person named Julia Thomas. Now, while a lot of searchers believe that the directions he provided to Thomas were accurate, they don't fit the information that Wallace really revealed over the years to others. So uh, people have assembled the bits and pieces of information about the trails and the landmarks uh, into sets of directions, but unfortunately they, they contradict each other. So one person has this bit, another person has this bit, and they don't, they don't fit together. The puzzle doesn't fit. Anyway, Jacob Waltz finally died in 1891 at the home of this Julia Thomas. Well, his death launched one of the longest treasure quests in history, hundreds of expeditions into the superstitions uh, in search of the lost Dutchman. And the curse, dozens of men lost their lives. And, you know, a lot of them probably to the Apaches, to the Indians, but thirst, snake bite, uh, starvation, getting lost. Now, again, I've never been there, but I think you could probably get lost up yeah, in there. Yeah. So, anyway, despite the thousands of articles, books, movies that have been produced concerning the lost Dutchman mine, the immense fortune that remains hidden to this day, after Waltz died, a lot of people claim to have found the lost Dutchman, but uh, investigations prove their claims to be false. How much of this story, whether it's with the Peraltas or whether it's with Waltz or whomever, how much do you think is really, really true? You know, as with a lot of history, you've got to wonder. Because, you know, we're taking various authors' opinions of what they have researched and what they have come up with. So, well, go back to the Peraltas for a minute, though. Uh, it was basically was it knowledge that uh, they sent four hundred people up there, and is it proven historical fact that they were trying to move the gold out of there? You know, I, I think there's enough information that a lot of this is true. Uh, the Spaniards, uh, the Apaches. Um, so, you know, some say that the nine never existed. You know, I mean, uh, but he found gold in the superstitions. He'd go into Phoenix and, and use the gold to buy supplies. Um, but, again, you know, you think of what, like I did, too, Lost Dutchman Mine, singular. Um, th- but that's not what we're, what we're understanding. Yeah. Now, now, I knew a man years ago. Uh, he's an older gentleman, and he swore that he knew where the mine was. Really? And he went down there. And took a, another fellow from this area with him. They went down, but they didn't get into exactly where he thought it was. He got older. He's passed away since. And I, I always thought, you know, if you really think you know exactly where it is, why are you still here in Burley, Idaho? Yeah, and the other thing, too, is that uh, about the curse or the superstition, and I want to tell you real quick, I've only got 30 seconds left. My parents had some friends that lived down in that area uh, years and years ago, long time ago, when I was just a kid. And they went out there uh, gold uh, prospecting, if you will, one time. And they said they'd never go back because of the eerie, 
unsettling feeling of the area. Ooh. Well, when you think of the, according to this, you know, the people that died or were killed or hit by rocks or avalanches or the snakes or... Yeah, I don't know that I really want to go in there. No, no. <laughs> that and today, there are still people right now as we speak are out there looking for it. Oh, I'm sure there are, yeah. yeah. And hopefully they don't get hit with the curse. There you go. <laughs> Boy, that was a good one. You had my attention on that one. <laughs> Doctor History. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.